ABGC Season 2 Episode 7 Massacre Rathakar settles down with a thunderous thud and then begins to speak at all of the creatures on the horizontal structure. A thousand generations in the past, this planet was a harmonious balance of life. Air, land, and sea creatures, from the weak and fragile Sparkfly, to the powerful and proud Law Corps, all coexisted effortlessly. There were five different tribes of my kind as well. Red, green, blue, white, and yellow. Each watching over a different landmass of this world. All was well, until a male in the blue tribe reached adulthood and turned vicious. He began killing for fun. This was very much against our laws. First it was small things, but soon he hungered for bigger and bigger victims. Before too long, he had convinced the entire tribe of blue shadowcasters to follow his way of unbalanced killing. It didn't take long before they wiped out all the life from the landmass they were supposed to be protecting. Bored and addicted to death, he turned on the Shadowcaster tribes. He slaughtered the young males and took the young females back to his homeland to increase the size and frequency of his tribal breeding. He would send out male decoys to engage the adults of each tribe, so he could then attack them from their backs. The only thing that can kill an adult Shadowcaster is another adult Shadowcaster, and he didn't want to risk a fair fight. One tribe fell, then another. Soon, there were only two tribes left, his and mine. We battled back and forth for what would be lifetimes to you. He had more young males on his side, but mine were properly trained. As long as they didn't get too terribly outnumbered, they could take care of themselves. However, Having the females of four tribes was causing the numbers to skew further and further in his favor. Eventually, he was going to win, unless something changed. So I staged a large battle on one of the other land messes as a distraction while I unleashed a plan of my own. Rot over in the corner 
raises his paw wildly from the middle of the crowd, trying to get Rathakar's attention. Rathakar, looking quite annoyed, says, What? Rot answers back, I have to pee! Tarek shakes his head. Rot, just hurry up and go! Rot pushes his way through the crowd, out into the forest. A few moments later, he pushes his way back in and offers a concluding, if not idiotic, wave back to Rathakar. Rathakar closes his eyes for a moment, shakes his head, and continues. About the same time, the second tribe had fallen victim. I started laying down the foundation of my own plan. You see, the populations of Shadowcasters are naturally kept in check by a small creature which feeds exclusively on our eggs. The Blue Tribe killed most of them off in their other lands. The only egg-eaters that remained were on our landmass. We began a breeding program to increase their numbers at an alarming rate. And during that large decoy battle, we secretly released the egg-eaters onto the Blue Tribe's homeland. By the time he returned and discovered what I had done, it was too late. He tried to kill them off, but they had already sought out the majority of his eggs and devoured them. In no time, his numbers drastically decreased, and the final battle didn't take long after that. His hunger for death did not automatically make him a skilled warrior. That hill is the gravesite of the blue shadowcasters that died in that final battle. The leader is among them. I had just finished their burial when the spaceship crashed into it. I examined the wreckage thoroughly. I even stayed a while, watching for any survivors, but there were no signs of life that I could see. Only the artificial voice could be heard, so I listened. It could speak and react. Eventually, I left to return to my homeland, leaving instructions with my young to protect the remaining egg-eaters while they sought out the last of the Blue Tribe eggs. Parker stands and makes a gesture to get Rathakar's attention. So, how does that make all this your fault, exactly? Rathakar answers, The essence of a fallen Shadowcaster returns to the planet. It seeps into the ground and becomes hard like stone. It had been observed by my ancestors that all life born near the gravestone of a dead Shadowcaster 
becomes somehow improved or enhanced. The tall greens would have more leaves. The spark flies are a little brighter, and the law corps were bigger and stronger. It is what keeps the planet new and fresh. I never considered the side effects of a mass grave. It was the first time it had ever been done. Parker pulls out his scanner and waves it around in various directions, eventually settling on a position pointing just under the learning cave's entrance. Something is beneath the cave, all right. If it is this grave stone, then it is quite large. Weird. I've never seen readings like this before. Rathakar responds, There must have been something alive in that wreckage after all. He stares at Parker and waits for the connection. Parker's eyes get wider and wider, and he begins to put the pieces together. <gasps> the samples, he says. The laboratory was full of human and mammal DNA. Uh, blood samples, embryos, frozen test animals. He visualizes vials and test tubes crashing into each other and then leaking into the ground through the cracks in the lab floor. Parker drops his scanner on the ground in disbelief. He turns back to Rathakar and says, These tribes, they're not native to this planet, are they? No, Rathakar responds. They have to be from your world. Parker is stunned. He stares in disbelief and maybe even a little disgust. You're, you're all part human. You're just a, a swirled together mess of ingredients from some sort of energized genetic stew. Ugh, yuck. He turns his back to them and begins walking away looking a little ill. All the tribe members put their ears back and hang their heads at the very unusual insult. Rot looks over to Derek and says, Does that mean he doesn't want to be our friend? Derek looks back at Rot and says, Yeah, I think it does, Rot. But we can't change how we were born, Rot says back to Derek. Captain Jeff comes over the radio of Parker's suit. Parker, we have company up here. There's an unknown scout vessel approaching the planet. Get back to the assembler ASAP. Parker raises the helmet to his head, sticks his face in it, still holding it awkwardly, and begins to talk into it. Roger that. On my way, he says. He turns back toward the tribe folk, who still look dismayed at his insult. Parker says, I, uh, I have to go now. Thank you for giving me the sample. Parker taps the compartment on the suit 
where the beacon is stored, then gives a half-hearted wave goodbye. A few of the tribe folk, Rot included, return the wave. Parker takes a few steps backwards while trying to put his helmet on. The helmet suddenly gives off a horrible screeching sound. It is so loud and disturbing that Parker throws the helmet to the ground and covers his ears. He's screaming in pain. They all stare at him with curiosity. The screeching sound subsides and he picks up his helmet. He speaks into it. Trax! We're fine, Parker, Jeff says. We think it might have been some sort of jamming signal. Stop sightseeing and get up here, will ya? Parker once again proceeds to put his helmet on. With his head most of the way in the helmet, he sees a flash of light reflect in his visor and faintly hears a voice yelling. It's Derek. He's screaming, Look out!